On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Tesla releases their earnings report for Q4 2018. I've got clips and highlights of Elon Musk and the executive team from the earnings call and analysis of Tesla's report. Plus, big news about the Model S and Model X. Stay tuned. What's happening, friends? I'm Ryan McCaffrey, joined as always by Daisy the Boxer Puppy, who gazes longingly out the window at a stormy, icky night here in San Francisco. The poor, poor dog didn't get to go out for her evening walk today, so she's a little bummed. But uh, I am happy to be here with you. It is episode 183 of the unofficial Tesla podcast, also known as Ride the Lightning, for February 3rd, 2019. And this is your quarterly earnings call recap show. These are uh, my my pretty much my favorite episodes to do throughout the year. I get to do four of them. A lot goes into them, but I'm always uh, I always feel like I've done almost almost real radio when, when I come out of these because I've got clips of Elon. You got you know just it, it feels it feels like a production for me at least with these. Hopefully for you too. But I wanted to start this week before I get to the earnings call uh, with a quick apology. I messed up last week, and at the beginning of the Ride the Lightning hotline, I played the wrong, uh, I guess it was the, either the wrong caller or the wrong response, whichever way you want to look at it. I, I mixed up my my files. I won't bore you with the details, but anyway, I, I heard from a few people that kindly let me know. I fixed it and replaced the show on uh, Monday night, so if you happen to hear the erroneous version of the podcast last week, uh, that a part there <laughs> in the beginning of the Ride the Lightning hotline that didn't quite make sense. Well, it wasn't you. It was me. And for that, I apologize. Uh, happening this weekend, I'm looking forward to uh, hopefully I'll be able to make it out. There's some bad weather, but the uh, My Tesla Adventure event this weekend, that's uh, Eli Burton runs that. He does a great job up here in the Bay Area. He is doing, he's put together a, a nice drive. We're starting, we're going to meet up at the factory, at the Tesla factory, and then drive to Santa Cruz uh, down, which is down uh, along the Highway 1, along the, the, the coast. Should be a nice drive, even though the weather is supposed to be terrible, and then have a, have a nice lunch in a, in a private section of a restaurant and then drive on back. So should hopefully be fun there. Looking forward to that. So, you know, I, I guess the reason I mention that is because it's only to say that I would highly encourage you to participate in your local Tesla club events, at least give it a try once. You know, it's really, really fun in my experience to get together with other Tesla owners, other Tesla enthusiasts and do drives and do lunches and do events together. So uh, just, just give it a go sometime. I think you'll enjoy it. All right, with that, let's get to the meat and potatoes of this show and, and certainly of the week in Tesla and that was the Q4 2018 earnings call. I start, as always, with Elon Musk's opening statement. This is about 11 and a half minutes, so uh, sit back. I, I want to play this whole thing for you because it's always good to hear Elon's full opening statement, and then I will give you some thoughts on that uh, after he speaks. Here you go, Elon. Last year was the 
definitely the most challenging year in Tesla history, uh, but also the most successful. Uh, thanks to the incredible work of the Tesla team, Model 3 became the best-selling premium vehicle in the U.S. for 2018. Um, and in fact, uh, when considering uh, battery electric vehicles, uh, we, Tesla achieved an 80% market share of U.S. sales in, in the last year. I think this point is perhaps not well appreciated. All other electric vehicles combined were 20% of sales in the U.S. in, 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 in last year. So. That's, I think that's, that's not bad. Um, we, we also delivered almost as many vehicles last year as we did in, in all prior years combined, which is a tremendous achievement by the, by the Tesla team. Um, the, if you track a Tesla vehicle production year over year, cumulative um, sales and deliveries year over year, it is about the cleanest exponential I've ever seen. Um, we've basically almost doubled our fleet in, in, with in, in every year. You know, every year we make as many cars as we did in all prior years. So this is a, a very unusual thing to see for, especially for a large, complex manufactured object. I think it, I think it may be the fastest that it's a, it's, that a, a complex manufactured object is like a car has grown in history or. At least, I'm not aware of anything that is faster. Martin, are you? Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure. I think Model T was a little bit slower, but I'm not 100% sure. Okay. Um, and we expect that exponential to continue. Um, so, with the deliveries this year being, even if even in the face of if if, if there's a global recession, even if there's a global recession, we're expecting deliveries this, this year to be about 50% higher than last year. Um, and, it, you know, there's, and there's, it, it could, be, could be a lot more than that, but even, even with tough economic times, to see 50% growth is pretty nutty. But with Q4, we achieved gap profitability for the second quarter for the first time in company history, and we increased our cash on hand by more than $700 million, even after paying debt. Uh, ending the year with a total of $3.7 billion in cash. Uh, this means we have enough cash to settle our convertible bond that much will mature in March. Uh, in addition, our operating margin, margin remains strong at 5.7%. Um, operating margins in the fourth quarter are usually lower in the automotive industry, but this was not the case for Tesla. Um, I, I think 2019 is going to be an amazing year for Tesla. Uh, as I mentioned, we're expecting to increase uh, sales by 50%. Um, perhaps it could, could, could be a lot more than 50%, but I think 50% is a, a very reasonable number. But that's crazy growth for the automotive industry. Uh, I want to note that one of our major priorities this quarter is improving service operations. Um, so really, from my standpoint, when I think about say, what my priorities are, this quarter, it's improving service in North America. That's that's number one, um, and uh, we've got some very exciting initiatives we're going to uh, roll out with that. With regard to that, um, we've got to get cars to China and Europe, uh, and, and make sure that we we have good logistics uh, for the whole delivery process from uh, factory gate to to the, to the customer. 
that's obviously pretty far from California to get to Europe uh, and China and then get to get the car to customers. So we're work, working every aspect of that logistics chain. Um, and I, I think we've, I think it's, I think it's going to be good. Um, I, you know, I would say at this point I'm optimistic about being profitable in Q1. Not, not by a lot, but I'm I'm optimistic about being profitable in Q1 um, and, and and for all quarters going forward. So uh, let's see, uh, we've, we've opened uh, 27 new store and service locations, uh, bringing out our Total locations worldwide to 378, and we increased our mobile service fleet to 411 vehicles. Mobile service fleet is something we can scale up very rapidly uh, because we don't need uh, bricks and mortar. Uh, we, we can get get more vehicles, hire people, and deploy deploy rapidly. It also actually results in higher customer satisfaction because we we can actually send one of our service vans to your work or home and fix the car. Um, without you having to bring it into the service center or do any paperwork or anything like that. It's, it's really seamless, invisible, the customers love it. Um, and we're also increasing the functionality of the Tesla app uh, for service so that instead of having to make an appointment, you know, to call and make an appointment, you can just open your Tesla app, uh, say you want to make a service appointment, um, and it lists the top 10 most frequently requested service items. And you can, with a couple taps, give major service appointments. Um, and we're going to make it easier for the car to be picked up and dropped off as well. So if you want, if you prefer not to come into the service center at all, you can just uh, request that the car be uh, picked up and delivered. Um, uh, something that will be so. So that's already been rolled out. It's had had a big improvement in customer satisfaction. That rolled out two or three weeks ago. Um, but the next thing we want to add is. If a, if a car detects something wrong, like a flat tire uh, or a drive unit failure, that before the car has even come to a halt, uh, there is a tow truck and a service loader on the way. So the car has already notified Tesla Emergency Services, and the and and a, a service loader, a tow truck are on their way before your car has even come to a stop. Uh, this will be immense in improving uh, customer happiness. Um, it literally will just call it and, and you'll have to tap the center screen to cancel it. So you can cancel it if you want. We just have to, it's like automatically going to happen, let's press cancel. Um, we're, we're also improving uh, parts distribution. So uh, I think we made a, a strategic error in the past about not having service parts located at our service centers. Uh, we had them in post distribution warehouses, which basically meant it was impossible to have a fast turnaround on servicing a car, because uh, the car would come in, then the parts would be requested, they come to the service center. It was, this would basically, even for a very simple repair, it could take days. So we're not, we're going to move to stocking all common parts at the service centers, um, so that it's possible to, in, in principle, have uh, you know, get get your car serviced in. 20 minutes or 15 minutes, even if it's a simple matter. Um, I mean, it should be like Jiffy Loop, you know, like eight minutes or whatever, eight minutes. Um, it should be like lightning fast. Um, but but, but that, in order to do that, we have to have the parts located at, at our service centers. Uh, yeah, we also, it's going to make sense for our service centers to do 
uh, basic bodywork, or essentially, if, if all you need to do is re replace a front or rear fascia, it, it makes sense to just pre-stock the front and rear fascia in the uh, common colors. So unless you have an unusual color, we can literally replace your fascia in 15, 20 minutes. And, and there's, there's none of this like weeks at a body shop stuff. Let's see, um, in terms of new products, um, with, with Model Y, we've uh, completed uh, insuring of and signed of Model Y, um, and the parts are the, the tooling is going out for uh, production Model Y. Three quarters of the Model Y is common with the Model Three, so it's a much lower capex per vehicle than the Model Three, um, and the risk is also quite low. Um, this is in contrast to Model S versus Model X, where the theory was in Model X we, we just it's it's I would consider Model X to be like the, the sort of like the Fabergé egg of cars. Um, it's it's a fan, it's, a, it's an incredible vehicle, um, and probably one probably nothing like it will ever be made again, <laughs> and maybe it shouldn't. <laughs> but but it is it is a, it is a work of art. It's a special work of art. But the commonality with the Model S is is limited. It was only about maybe 30% in common with the Model S, whereas uh, Model Y is uh, I think 76% or something like that in common with the Model Three, um, and uh, we're most likely going to put Model Y production uh, right next to, in fact, as part of um, our main gigafactory in Nevada. So we'll just be right there. Batteries and power trains will come out and go straight into the vehicle. Um, so that that's, um, also reduces our risk of execution um, and uh, reduces the cost of having to transfer parts from uh, California to Nevada. Um, it's, not, it's not a for sure thing, but it's it's quite likely, and it's, a, it's our default plan. Um, I, I would expect Model Y will probably be, the demand Model Y will be maybe 50% higher than Model 3, could be even double. Um, the, as I understand it, the midsize SUV segment is the, worldwide is the most popular type of vehicle. Um, so we'll probably see higher volume of Y than 3. Um, and then earlier this month, we started construction of, of Gigafactory Shanghai. And by the end of this year, we expect to be producing Model 3s uh, using a complete vehicle production line. Um, that's a you know, body paint, spinal assembly, uh, general assembly, um, uh, and, uh, and module production. So it's it basically pretty... It's moving extremely fast. I get like daily updates of uh, progress uh, of the Shanghai Gigafactory, um, and uh, it will, this, this factory is going to go up like lightning. So we, we do feel uh, quite confident at this point, uh, at least for the factors that are in our control, that we can achieve volume production in Shanghai by the end of the year, um, and and uh, and that's. That should allow us to get to the 10,000 vehicles a week rate, or very close to it by the end of the year. As usual, there is a lot to chew on with Elon's opening statement, but I have to be honest, the first thing that jumped out at me was his comments about the improvements being made to parts distribution. I say this very respectfully, but 
How on earth did they ever think that not stocking parts at the service centers was a smart way to go? That, that one left me scratching my head a bit. But uh, speaking of service, I love the bit about the car detecting a problem and then summoning assistance on its own, be it, be it a tow truck or a, uh, a loaner car. That is cool. I mean, after the rash of nails in tires that I've already suffered in my six months of ownership, uh, one of the things that I had on my list of feedback to give to Elon, if and when my interview with him ever happens, in fact, uh, here, let me pull it up for you. I had written down, push notifications for tire issues to be able to deal with them sooner. That's what I had written down. So what I was thinking of there was, the car sending me a push notification to my phone if it detects that a tire has deflated overnight due to, you know, obviously a puncture, a, fo a foreign object, which that happened to me. You know, I, I, I woke the, the most recent of the flat, actually, no, two of them, two of the three nails were, because uh, only the first one didn't, didn't actually cause deflation. Uh, the, but the, the, the most recent two did. And in both of those cases, if I could have been alerted to them sooner, if the car would have been able to check that every now and again with the TPMS uh, sister, system, pardon me, then I could have maybe dealt with it a little, a little more smoothly and swiftly. But in any case, good to see that Elon's already two steps ahead of me on that. So uh, let's see. Speaking of, of that, by the way, of service, that's just service in general, thank goodness that Elon said that improving the service experience is the number one priority. Because quite frankly, it should be. 2018 was all about the production ramp. That was Tesla's great major challenge of 2018. I don't think anybody would, would dispute that. 2019, in my opinion, their great challenge is service. They need to uh, ramp service like they ramped car production last year in order to take care of all of these new cars that they've been building. Uh, let's, I mean, let's just hope. We, of course, we all hope that Tesla can nip the the growing service stresses that we've been seeing in the community starting to, to bubble up. Let's hope that they can nip that in the bud. Now, the other big news here from Elon's opening statement, I think, is the update on the Model Y. On the last call, uh, f was it for, well, three months ago for Q3, we knew that Elon had approved the construction of the prototype. Now we know that that thing, that prototype's probably about done because engineering and design on the vehicle are done and... We now know that it's going to share a lot of parts with the Model 3, which is smart. And certainly as, as I, and, and not that I was any kind of Nostradamus here, many, many other folks had speculated because it just makes a ton of sense. The plan, as you heard Elon there, the plan is for the Model Y to be built at Gigafactory 1 in Sparks, Nevada, so that it's a one-stop shop for production on that vehicle with the battery cells, the modules, the packs, the drivetrains, they're all already assembled there. Uh, now they'll do the rest of the car. So I'll tell you this, folks. But now that Tesla is offering, remember, they started offering deliveries. You could take delivery at the Gigafactory. They started that very, very late, right at the end of the year in 2018. So now that they're doing that, how many of you out there might want to take them up on that 
for delivery of your Model Y to go just go pick it up right where it's built, right? You know, effectively taking factory delivery in that case, just gigafactory delivery. That should be a fun option, I think, for a lot of people. All right. Uh, our next clip here is Elon speaking to what he thinks worldwide demand on Model 3 will be in the immediate and near future. I mean, my, my best guess, this is just a guess, my best guess for demand of Model 3 worldwide is something, it, 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 in a strong economy, is something on the order of seven or 800,000 units a year. That's my best guess for demand of Model 3 in a strong economy. Um, if, uh, if, if, if the economy goes into a recession, then I think that, that could be something on the road 40% less. But I think even in a recession, um, worldwide demand is still something on the order of 500,000 uh, for Model 3. Um, for SNX, uh, you know, we, we, we did um, eliminate the 75 kilo hour, kilo hour version of SNX and uh, to provide more differentiation relative to 3 and then why that's coming out. Um, I think we could see a slight decline in total uh, vehicles, but I think the uh, net cash flow from SNX is likely to be very similar. So probably no, no major change in net cash flow for SNX. Well, later on in the earnings call, Elon goes on to say that he thinks Model Y will, be, will have significantly higher demand than the three. So think about that. If it all comes to fruition and Tesla can actually build that many cars, they might be pumping out on a worldwide basis a million and a half to two million Model 3s and Model Ys combined, plus the S's and X's and a few Roadsters as well. I'm not going to count the semis just because those are commercial use only. But uh, although that, that's also before we even get to the pickup truck. So Tesla's future is bright. Make no mistake. We all knew that already, but but that that those figures should help crystallize just how bright that future is a, a little bit more for you. All right, how about an update on full self-driving? Let's hear from Elon Musk. Well, we already have um, we already have full self-driving uh, capability on highways. So from highway on-ramp to highway exit, including passing cars and uh, going from one highway interchange to another, the full self-driving capability is, is there. Uh, in a few weeks, we'll be uh, pushing an update that will um, allow the option of, of removing stalk confirm in, in markets where regulate, regulate, regulators approve it, which we believe that will be the case in the U.S., for example. Um, and over time, we think probably all regulators will approve it. Uh, but um, we, we kept the talk confirmed there just to make sure that, uh, that, that we, we took care of like of, of any, any strange corner cases. Um, and it's really quite sublime if you have stalk confirm off and like the car goes from higher on ramp, passes slower cars, uh, you know, change it, it takes a, takes an interchange and then takes the exit and then comes to a stop after the exit. So that's it's really quite profound to have that experience. Um, then the the next part of full self driving would really be to, to um, is, is traffic lights is hard. So stop stop streets are pretty easy because um, you can essentially geocode those, uh, and, um, and it's easy to recognize stop signs. Uh, 
traffic lights and, and intersections be the next really really tricky one. Um, and then uh, navigating complex parking lots and like uh, so, so like a, if you're underground in a in a mall parking lot with a lot of traffic and, and pedestrians and it's on multiple levels, you know that that kind of thing is is, is where things get tricky. With the release of of um, enhanced or advanced summon, uh, you'll see the first indications of the car being able to navigate complex parking lots, uh, and that's also coming up fairly soon probably next month. Um, and in, in development mode, uh, the, the car does all of the things that I just mentioned in development mode. So it re recognizes uh, traffic lights and stop signs and, um, and you can basically has all, all the functionality in development mode. It's really just a question of getting the reliability of, of recognizing traffic lights to several nines like, you know, so it's, I guess, like, I don't know, 98% good right now, but we need it to be, like, 99.999, you know, really extremely reliable. Um, so, I mean, in, in a nutshell, when, when do we think if the capability will be there for, uh, when it will be, when will we think it's safe for full self-driving? It's probably towards the end of this year. Um, and then it's up to regulators to decide uh, when they want to approve that. Well, respectfully, I, I don't think I would hold my breath on this one. I mean, yeah, I know that the Autopilot 3 chip is on the way very soon, and that is going to be an order of magnitude of computational improvement. But, you know, Elon's been saying for a while now that full self-driving is going to be ready super soon. And and the reality is, I mean, it's, a comp it's such a complicated problem. As you heard him explain... Though, they are making great progress, so that's that's always good news. Maybe the advanced summon that's supposed to come out soon is going to end up making me totally change my tune on that and, and maybe regain. It's not that I'm pessimistic. I just, I just, because uh, I'm patient. I'm not, I, you know, I didn't pay for full self-driving yet. And, you know, I will sort out my finances and do the best uh, my, I can to to pay the, I guess, what'll be a $5,000 charge when the, when the time comes that, that they do flip the switch on that and it's been approved by regulators. But I'm just, yeah, I, I still feel like it's a ways off, especially, you know, we still haven't gotten that coast-to-coast -coast demo yet. There's no sign of it. In fact, Elon wasn't even asked about it, which I didn't even realize until, until just now. Uh, I'm surprised that nobody brought it up on the call. So I think it's probably safe to assume for now that that, that, that cross-country demo drive is not happening. Uh, it seems like it would have it would have happened by now, or we would have heard more about it by now. But anyway, all right, let's talk batteries. Elon was asked point blank, "Are there any plans to switch the Model S and the Model X to the newer 2170 form factor batteries that go into the Model 3?" Uh, we have no plans to switch S and X to 2170, and can't comment on uh, future product developments. Well, they've said this before, and they keep reiterating it. So I would think that that can only mean that a full Model S and Model X redesign are a bit further down the road, because I can't imagine a revamped SRX would happen without going to new battery cells. Now, maybe I'm totally wrong, because clearly there is uh, some sort of advantage to the 18650s, whether 
whether it's a power draw for ludicrous mode on the P100Ds uh, or, or something else, or maybe it's just a matter of the fact that Panasonic takes care of the 18650s because every 2170 cell that Tesla makes goes into a Model 3 and then soon enough a Model Y. And also don't forget the energy side of the business as well, the power walls and the power packs. But yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. That's it's. Uh, I think maybe we wouldn't have necessarily expected the SNX battery packs to remain structurally the same for this long now. But it's also who's to say that they're not improving the chemistry of those eighteen six fifty batteries and still just using that form factor. So the the mystery continues with with that. Uh, all right, let's talk Model Y. And how about pickup truck? Those are two hot topics, two of Tesla's most crucial and and anticipated new products on the way. As mentioned earlier, the Model Y we think most likely will produce at Gigafactory. Factory. Um, that, that's the, unless we encounter some obstacle. That that's the default plan that we're proceeding towards, uh, and it's it's fast, low risk, and low, relatively low capex. Um, in terms of the, yeah, I mean, I mean, probably there's like, in, you know, initial production of Model Y in very low volume uh, early next year, uh, but then it always takes time to ramp up any production system, and it's difficult to predict the shape of that S curve. Um, so, you know, we, we feel confident in saying like, there'll be volume production of Model Y by the end of next year, but in between the beginning of of next year with, with low volume, you know, it always starts with very low and it grows exponentially. From beginning of last year, and it, it makes sure it's difficult to break that ramp. Um, so that that's uh, our expectation for why. Um, for for semi, uh, you know, we're, we're I don't know if you want to comment on that. I want to start next year as well. Yeah. And but the first units will be this is Jerome. The well, first units will be for our own usage. Yeah. So uh, depends how many trucks we use for our own usage to move the parts and the vehicle to different locations, uh, and then we'll start delivering to outside customers. Yeah, sounds good. Um, and then the Tesla pickup truck, uh, we might be ready to unveil that this summer. It'll be something quite unique, but like anything else. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that that Model Y production date that was given there is ahead of what was previously said on another earnings call a quarter or two ago, because, uh, you know, they said late 2020 right there. I, or No, they probably, that was what they previously had said. Now they're saying volume production by late 2020. So um, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I, I would politely advise all of you who are waiting on the Model Y to to not necessarily uh, hold Tesla to that date. You know, yes, engineering's done. Yes, design is done. And yes, it shares a whole lot of uh, components with the Model 3, but it still will not be easy spinning up production at an entirely in an entirely new place. You know, they're, they got to spin it up at the Gigafactory. So there'll, there'll still be a lot of moving pieces and there's still going to be an S curve to move through. I mean, theoretically they'll move through that S curve faster than they, than they did with model three, but 
I would say that if you're going to reserve a Model Y, I wouldn't count on it less than a year after you reserve it, assuming that that unveiling is still going to take place in or, or around March or, or at least sometime in the first half of the year. And I guess, you know, just be pleasantly surprised if that does happen. Now, I do think that that reveal is going to be soon, though, not, and not only because Elon had previously talked about March being a, a, a target time frame, but simply because they're just openly talking about Model Y now. They're not even dancing around anything with regard to its existence. And hey, the pickup truck unveiling this summer, maybe, as well? Two Tesla product unveilings this year, maybe. That'd be great. That'd be super fun. All right. Uh, autonomy. This, how uh, 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 An analyst asked what the sort of secrets to the, the keys to the Tesla story are, the narrative of Tesla, and how autonomy factors into that. So here's Elon responding to that. The, the fundamental goodness of Tesla, that, you know, like, so, so like the why of Tesla, the relevance, what's the point of Tesla, comes down to two things, acceleration of sustainable energy and autonomy. Now, acceleration of sustainable energy is absolutely fundamental because this is an existential risk for humanity. Um, so obviously that is by far and away the most important thing. Um, but also very important is autonomy. Uh, this has the potential to save millions of lives, uh, tens of millions of, of serious permanent injuries, um, and give people their time back so that they don't have to drive. They can, you know, if, if you're on the roads, you, you can spend doing time doing things that you enjoy instead of in, in terrible traffic. So it's extremely important. Um, we feel confident about our technical strategy um, and um, the, the, I think we have an advantage that no one else has, which is that we have at this point something on the order of 300,000 vehicles on the roads with a, with a, a 360-degree camera sensor suite, uh, radar, ultrasonics, uh, always connected, uh, uploads, uh, essentially video clips with the customer's permission uh, uh, when there's an intervention. So effectively, we have a massive, massive training fleet. Our, uh, the, the miles of training that we have, if, if you added everyone else up combined, they're probably 5%, I'm being generous, of the miles that Tesla has. Um, and this, is, this difference is increasing. A year from now, we'll probably, if you go, certainly if you go 18 months from now, we'll probably have a million vehicles on the road with, uh, that, that are, and, and every time the customers drive the car, they're training the, the, the systems to be better. I, I'm just not sure it, how anyone competes with that. You know, forgive me if I've, if I've told this little anecdote on the podcast before, but my friend Michael from Milbray crystallized the benefit of complete level four full self-driving to me in the best way that I've heard yet and just piggybacking off of what Elon said right there about giving people their time back. Imagine wanting to go to Disneyland from anywhere in California or a neighboring state, or just, you know, pick a different cool place <laughs> in your region. You pack the car up at night, you head out after dinner, you have, a, you know, your, your usual family dinner, then you head out, the car is level four autopiloting, and you can all go to sleep. Now, 
assuming that assumes that they're going to solve the self-charging problem, air quotes, <laughs> that would come along with a with an idea like that. So assuming that the, the whether it's through induction charging or what have you, or the or the the robo charger snake, whatever it is, assuming they solve that, you just wake up and you're there. You're at Disneyland. No time wasted. No entire day spent driving. I just experienced this with my San Francisco to Phoenix trip. I mean, it it literally took me an entire day each way. And I didn't mind. Don't get me wrong. I'm not complaining. You know, the trip, the supercharging was free and I enjoyed the experience. And uh, by by the fact that I drove, it allowed me to, to not only have my car at my disposal while visiting my family for a week, but it also allowed me to bring Daisy with me, which was which was hugely important to me. So uh, that's all well and good. But if I could do all of that, if I could have done the travel while I slept and have not had to lose two entire days on that trip and I could have had those two days back to spend with my family, that would be great. That would be absolutely fantastic. I welcome that future and I'll tell you, that incredible lead that Tesla has in the data department will help them get there. I mean, I, I won't say they'll necessarily get there first or get there best because I just, I'm not familiar with Waymo or, or what anybody else's progress is like. But the fact is, all of that real world data that Tesla has that's fed to the Tesla mothership every single day from me and from all of you guys around the country and around the world, that is a, just a massive, massive benefit to Tesla. So we'll see what the future holds. Uh, okay, how about Model 3 production this year? Where does, where does Elon see it happening this year? Yeah, it's, it's maybe on the order of 350 to 500,000 Model 3s. I've got this year. You know, I'm, I'm not sure where the high end of that comes from. I mean, if they're ramping to 7,000 cars per week sustained in Fremont, as they said in the shareholder letter, which I'll give you a couple of other highlights from later in the show, plus the 3,000 cars per week in Shanghai, that's one thing. But both of those are, quote, by the end of the year. If they're at 5,000 cars a week or so now, that's a rate of about 260 cars per year. If they ramp to 6,000 by the middle of the year, that adds another 25, 26,000 cars. So we'll see. I mean, don't get me wrong. What Tesla is doing with Model 3 production, I mean, remember where they were a year ago today? A year ago. It's the beginning of February. Remember where they were last February? It was, you know, there were not a lot of cars coming out, and not a lot of Model 3s coming out of Fremont a year ago. So it's incredible. It's what they've done is incredible. But 500,000 Model 3s worldwide this year still sounds like quite a tall order. And, and as I looked more into this, it, as it turns out, when I read all the way to the end of the shareholder letter, that is in fact addressed. They say in the shareholder letter, quote, barring unexpected challenges with Gigafactory Shanghai, we are targeting annualized Model 3 output in excess of 500,000 units sometime between Q4 of 2019 and Q2 of 2020. So I guess they're talking not about calendar year, but about when they'll get to that you know, sustainable rate that would be five, a rate of uh, five, you know, an extrapolated rate of 500,000 units per year. So there you go. That is a bit more realistic. And in fact, the, the shareholder letter specifically 
says, quote, in total, we are expecting to deliver 360 to 400,000 vehicles in 2019. So that's Model 3 at both gigafactories plus, you know, another good 100, 120,000 S's and X's. So that makes a lot more sense to me. Okay, we're still on the demand topic, but this is, uh, this is an interesting take on it. Elon saying, hey, demand is fine. The car's just too darn expensive. Uh, well, we need to, to, to bring the Shanghai factory online. I think that's, that's the biggest variable for getting to um, five or K plus a year. Um, our, our car is just very expensive going into China. Um, you, you know, we've got import duties, we've got transport costs, we've got higher cost of labor here, um, and, uh, and, we're, and, and we've, we've never been eligible for any of the uh, EV tax credits. Uh, you know, a lot of people criticize Tesla for being, you know, sort of dependent on on incentives. In fact, we are for for, for company making EVs, we have the least access to incentives. Um, it's it's pretty crazy um, because there's so many companies that that countries that have uh, have put price caps on the EV incentive, which differentially affect Tesla. And in China, which is the biggest market for EVs, we have never uh, had uh, any. Uh, Subsidies or tax incentives um, for for vehicles, so it's it's difficult. If, if, if once a car is made there, it is legible for that, eligible for that. Um, although that sounds like that's going to be reducing in China in the coming years. Um, but but really, bottom line is we, we need the Shanghai factory to um, achieve that uh, that that 10k rate um, and, and and have the cars be affordable. Um, the, the, the demand for it's important to appreciate that the demand for Model Three is insanely high. The inhibitor is not is is affordability. It's just like people literally don't have the money to buy the car. It's got nothing to do with desire. They just don't have enough money in the bank account. <laughs> if if the car can be if be made more affordable, they will. The, the the demand is extraordinary. On this note, I wonder if they're going to advertise Model Y at the unveiling using its base price the way that they did for the Model 3. I I wonder if Tesla has any regrets about that, about coming out and saying $35,000. I mean, of course, I get we we know why they did it. You know, they were a, a company making premium electric vehicles that were in fact, you know, 70 plus thousand dollars at the time. And it was important to say, hey, we're going to be making a $35,000 vehicle here that's that's within reach for a lot more people. So I get that. But now with the why and with the, they know the, the demand and the market a lot better, I wonder if they'll advertise it with its base price. Um, if the why starts at 40000 which is my guess, by the way, I think that's going to be about the base price for that thing, maybe a touch under so they can stay at, say it's still in the 30s. But I, I think they won't quote that number at the unveiling. In fact, I would make a friendly wager that Tesla won't use any specific dollar amounts at all, at least at the reveal. That Whatever that day, that night, at the reveal, I don't think they're going to say, hey, this thing starts at X dollars. I could totally be wrong on that. But I think what they're going to do instead is contextualize its price by saying something like, well, it's priced compar- comparably to our Model 3 sedan, 
That's that's how I that's how I think they're going to do it, just to avoid sort of creating any uh, any specific expectation that could you know that could haunt the <laughs> the Model Y production for for months or even <laughs> hopefully not years the way it has with Model Three and the thirty five thousand dollar version. Let's talk Europe next. Uh, what are the challenges with Europe? Demand, logistics, both? Elon? I mean, I mean, we're, we're, our issue actually with Europe and China is how do we get the cars made and on a boat um, at such that it reaches customers before end of quarter and we don't have a massive number of cars uh, on the water? That's our biggest challenge. It's not, it's not demand. It's how do we get the cars there uh, fast enough? So, so uh, like orders above the, I think I've seen like 20,000 order levels for Europe and single digit thousands for China. It's, it's better than that, Elon. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. The, the, uh, and we're not even really trying, I should point out. Like it's, it's, you know, we, um, we're, we're, our factory is like right now only making cars for China and Europe. Uh, that's that's all it's doing um, with respect to Model Three, um, and, uh, and and our whole focus is okay. How do we get those cars made? Get them on a ship as fast as possible. Get the ship as fast as possible to uh, Zabrugia in Zabrugia in, um, in Belgium. Then get them to, or to Drammen uh, in Norway and get those cars to customers uh, as fast as possible. We get them to China as fast as possible. And, and China, we're also you know we, we don't know what's going to happen with the trade negotiations. So it's very important to get those cars especially to China, as soon as possible. Um, you know, we hope the trade negotiations go well, but it's, it's not clear. Um, but we need to get them there while there's sort of de facto, sort of sort of a truce uh, on, the, on the tariff war. Um, and um, the demand gen is really not, not, uh, not one of the things we're thinking about. You know, that comment about Chinese trade negotiations made me realize, while I think most of us it might be fair to say, have been focusing on the first European deliveries that are coming up. It almost seems like Tesla places a higher priority on China right now, specifically because of those trade negotiations. I'm going to have to start paying closer attention to, to what's happening with deliveries over there. Now, on that note, I want to thank, I, meant, I believe I mentioned him last week, Jay in Shanghai, uh, whose uh, Twitter is at ShanghaiJin. He posted, uh, he, I talked about last week, he posted uh, pictures of the Power Sport 19-inch wheels on the Performance Model 3 in China without the aero cap on. Well, this week he posted pictures of a car with them on, finally real-life pictures of it. I think they look really good. Uh, I, I like them. I think they're nice. Um, I don't like them. I, mean, I prefer my 20-inch sport wheel, but... Uh, I, I tell you, I would love to get a set of those, those, uh, 19 inch arrow power sport wheels to use as winter tires for if I ever take my model three, like up to Tahoe in the winter time or anything like that. Cause it'd be, you know, 19 would be a little more efficient than the twenties certainly. And also with the arrow cover on there, that would also help gain a bit of efficiency on the, on the P3D as well. So it's going to be interesting to see what the... Uh, efficiency is just a you know normal day-to-day use with those power sport wheels in China as cars are delivered and people start actually putting them to the test. Okay, back on topic here. Reservations. 
An, an analyst asked Tesla, uh, Elon, and, and Deepak, who you're going to hear from here, what, how many reservations are left? Sorry, do you want to add? Yeah, I mean, I think reservations are not relevant. Um, for us, we are really focused on orders. Now, we do have a large reservations backlog still, which tells us that a lot of customers are still waiting uh, for, for those cars, but I don't think it's appropriate to share the reservations number. Yeah, reservations just like pre-orders. You know, it's like if you have like some, some video game come out, and you, you know, it's like a pre-order number, but then uh, that, that's like stuff's being important once you start shipping the game or product. Um, so, yeah. As I said earlier, I think my, my guess is demand is somewhere on the order, in, in, a, in a strong economy, is on the order of seven or 800,000 units a year for Model 3. Um, and and even, even in a, a recession, it's probably on the order of half a million. Sorry, I have to say, I, I really only played you that clip because I was amused by Elon's comparison to video game pre-orders, since that's the <laughs> that's the world I live in uh, by day. But anyway, I do, I have to say, I actually agree with the analyst that posed the question that the, I think the current reservation count is useful because as the, the analyst said when he asked the question, it would give a good idea of the early adopter demand for the standard battery version. But it, it uh, you know, they've been asked this before. They've stopped giving the number. So it doesn't seem like Tesla is ever going to give a straight answer on that. And hopefully very soon the whole reservation thing, it'll just be a moot point anyway, because we'll have standard battery cars actually shipping and not in the not too distant future. All right. The, uh, Chinese Gigafactory and just China in general. Elon was asked about the state of things there. Uh, so here is Elon speaking to Tesla's business in China. I, I think it would be quite a significant advantage. I, I really feel it is quite fundamental to the future of Tesla. Um, and I expect to make um, several trips uh, to China this year. Uh, and, and, um, and I'm working very closely with the team building the factory. We literally get daily, daily updates. Um, so it's a super big deal. Uh, and we're only just talking about phase one here. Phase one is about 10% of what we think the gigafactory will ultimately be. So it's, it's a major, major, major deal. And we're getting, we're getting a lot of support from uh, the, the Shanghai government, which we're very, very appreciative of, and the, and the, the national government. So the 3,000 cars per week that they want to do over there is only 10% of the factory. Now, I know that doesn't necessarily extrapolate out to the finished Gigafactory 3 being capable of 30,000 cars per week, but still, wow. Uh, then again, I suppose the Gigafactory 1 at least got operational when it was just a, a sliver of its final self, too. And in fact, it's it's still not done. You know, They're still building... Gigafactory one as well. Profitability versus gross margins. And more specifically, Elon has asked a particular question. Would you rather make more cars at a lower margin or fewer cars at a higher margin? You know, my, my guess is it ends up being um, sort of about the, you know, it's six of one, half dozen of the other, um, where you know, if, if, if there's a given amount of free cash flow, 
you can sort of either decide to achieve that with a smaller production or a, a smaller volume of cars or a, at a higher margin or large volume of cars at a smaller margin. I think we are towards the, the second. Um, we'd, we'd rather make uh, more cars at a lower margin. Um, but I think it's more or less a flat trade. Well, it makes sense that Elon would say that more cars is better because more cars furthers Tesla's mission. On a side note, uh, one thing I love about Tesla is that the mission, we've seen it time and time again, it's not just lip service masking over the real mission of just making as much money as possible in any way possible. Elon Musk and, and Tesla as a company have proven time and time again that the mission really, really matters to them, you know? It's, I know, sorry for the aside here, but it's just, it's yet another reason. It's one of the, the big reasons, one of many, that I continue to support this company and really root for it so much. Leasing, that has been a hot topic. Plenty of you out there are curious about leasing a Model 3. So how about it, Elon? Um, well, we've been reluctant to introduce the leasing on Model 3 because of, how, of its effect on GAAP financials. Um, so it is worth noting that our demand to date is with, with zero leasing. So obviously leasing is a way to improve demand, um, but, but it, it has, uh, you know, it, it makes our financials look worse. So we've, we've like, uh, you know, we've, we've not wanted to introduce that right away. Uh, I mean, we'll, we'll introduce it sometime later this year, probably. Um, what, I'm not sure what the percentage of lease is for SNX right now. Uh, it's around 20%, low 20s, and yeah. it stayed stable um, at that level for many, many quarters, which is it feels like the, na the natural demand because yeah. we don't do subvention or artificially pump up. Yeah, our, our, exactly. Our leases are legit. Um, the, the, it's usually like a small business tax write-off. You know, is, is important for the uh, for leasing. So. Well, I know that there are those of you out there who have been curious about leasing. So there you have it. You can look for that as an option later this year. All right, the parts thing talked about that in the opening statement, but let's hear a little bit more on the changes to the parts distribution and parts supply for service. No, it's it's actually just, we've just been very silly about where we store our parts. Uh, so it's actually going to be uh, no no change in in, in, ca in sort of working capital, or or not something you would even notice in the financials. Uh, it's just being smarter about uh, sending parts directly to service centers. Um, in fact, either directly from our factory here or from our suppliers, um, and just ship them direct to the service center. Right now. Actually, our cost will, will improve, mm -hmm. I, I think, actually quite a lot. Because um, uh, we've been actually quite, the current system is quite boneheaded, actually, <laughs> speaking <laughs> self-referentially. Um, so just, just, just being, just stopping doing the foolish things will uh, massively improve our service costs. Um, massively improved customer happiness around the world, um, and uh, I, it's, it's just fundamentally better all around. I, I mean, there are some pretty like we've been just like super dumb in, in some of the things we've done. Where, like, like when I, on one of the trips to China last year, um, I, I was I always asked, okay, what you know, what's 
what are we doing wrong? What, what can we fix? And, and the, our, our China team, who's great, by the way, is, they're like, well, you know, do you think we could have spare parts that are made in China just sent directly to our China uh, service centers? Because currently there's a bunch of parts that are made in China, then sent to, uh, to a warehouse in New Jersey, and then sent back to China. <laughs> literally was ha- what was happening. Um, super, super nut stuff. Uh, so it's going to get way better. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's way, way better. Well, again, I, I can't understand how it was ever the way it's been, but hey, at least Elon admits it and points the finger at himself. You know, he's always been good about that where appropriate. It's, you know, hey, the onward and upward philosophy. Own it, deal with it, and move forward. Speaking of moving on and moving forward, uh, Elon's closing remarks, they turn the mic back over to him to make an announcement. Uh, One of the chief officers of Tesla is retiring. Take a listen to this. So so, uh, Deepak uh, uh, is... uh well, I'll let you make the announcement, but uh, Deepak is uh, is going to be retiring again. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, from from Tesla. Yeah. Um, and Deepak, I think it's it's now been we first started Tesla about eleven years ago, right? Been uh, close to that. Yeah. Yeah, almost eleven years. Um, uh, thank you for tr- your tremendous contribution to to Tesla, um, and. Um, it's, it's announcing retirement will not be immediate, uh, but it, Deepak will continue to be at uh, Tesla for a few more months um, and, and uh, will continue to serve as a, as a senior advisor to uh, Tesla well, for, for probably years, years to come, hopefully. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, we've long, long and hard about uh, who the right person is to... Um, Take over from from Deepak, uh, and, and that's uh, Zach. Um, and uh, Zach, Zach has been with Tesla now nine nine years. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Zach, uh, uh, you know, management and technology at Orton undergrad, um, and then worked at Tesla, and then spent a couple years at uh, Harvard Business School, which I actually don't think was necessary, by the way. <laughs> 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 you told me that when I came back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so uh, Zach's incredibly talented. It's made a huge contribution to Tesla over the years, um, and also very well known quality to the whole team. It has the respect of the whole team. Um, and uh, Zach, I don't know if you'd like to say a few words. Or? Yeah, I will. Okay. Or, or uh, do you want to debug? Debug savings? Sure. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. No. Well, first of all. Um, uh, Ilan, thank you very much for the opportunity uh, for me uh, to be here and be here again a second time. Uh, I've um, learned a lot from you and I've been always inspired by you. Um, and uh, I've been uh, also very inspired by uh, the team uh, at Tesla who are um, incredibly brilliant, um, very passionate, and just amazingly perseverant the best team I could imagine. So thank you, uh, everybody, for that. Uh, There is no good time to make this change. Uh, We we felt still this was a good time. It's a new chapter, new year. Tesla has had two great quarters of profitability, cash flow. It's on a really solid foundation. And um, I feel really good about Zach uh, taking over as the CFO. He's uh, 
he's proven himself with his many years of experience and many tough challenges that he's worked on and really excited uh, to have um, Zach take on this role and I'll be here to support him and make sure we are all successful um, as a company. Yeah, well, thank you, uh, Deepak. Thank you, Elon. Um, so my name is Zach Kirkhorn. Uh, just a, a brief background on myself. So I joined Tesla uh, just under nine years ago. We're a super small company with a lot of potential ahead of us, uh, and I was attracted to the mission and the vision of the company. Um, throughout that time, I've been deep in the operations of every major program of the company, from the Roadster to Model S and X, Model 3, scaling our energy business, uh, and more things to come, which we've talked about on the call. Uh, I feel we're starting 2019 with a very strong financial foundation. We have enough cash to continue launching new programs and developing new technologies, and we're able to service upcoming debt obligations with our forecasted cash flows. My focus alongside the talented and amazingly passionate team at Tesla is to ensure we continue the terrific momentum on cost management and operational efficiency, which will enable us uh, more, uh, enable more access to our products around the world, which is key to achieving the mission of the company. Um, on a personal note, uh, Deepak, a huge thank you to you for your leadership, mentorship, and support, um, and very much looking forward to discussing our progress on future earnings calls. Well, best wishes to Deepak. You know, he leaves the company on a high note, the first two consecutive profitable quarters in the company's history. And welcome aboard to Zach Kirkhorn, one of the, uh, a young gun now, uh, high in the ranks at Tesla, uh, a right-hand person for Elon Musk, helping to uh, move the company forward, keep it financially sound and uh keep it keep it going and keep it thriving for all of us all right now that's the end of the clips that i have from the earnings call hope you found found that useful and even enjoyable uh the tesla shareholder letter is sent out i want to just read you a couple of quick notes from that there are a couple of interesting things in here that weren't covered in the earnings call first i just wanted to read you a chunk of the intro from that Tesla saying, last year was the most pivotal year in Tesla's history. During our Model 3 production ramp, we went through significant challenges with the battery module line at Gigafactory 1 in Nevada, or sorry, Nevada, I've been told. And later, hi Daisy, drinking and shaking off down there, you good? All right. Uh, Gigafactory 1 in Nevada, and later with our general assembly line in Fremont. Thanks to the hard work and ingenuity of our manufacturing teams, by mid-2018, we successfully overcame these challenges and stabilized Model 3 production at high volumes. Model 3 then went on to become the best-selling passenger car in the U.S. in terms of revenue in both Q3 and Q4. With nearly 140,000 units sold, Model 3 was also the best-selling premium vehicle, including SUVs, in the United States for 2018, the first time in decades an American car maker has been able to secure the top spot. Well, how about that best-selling premium vehicle for the entire year, including SUVs, with just half a year of volume production? Incredible stuff. Congratulations to everybody at Tesla who worked so unbelievably hard to make that happen. Now, uh, the one other choice note from the shareholder letter that I wanted to uh, bring up for you 
was V3 Supercharging, version three of Supercharging. It was brought up. Here's the quote from Tesla. In addition to our continued investment in global charging infrastructure, our engineering team is finalizing plans for the rollout of our V3 supercharger technology early this year, which will enable significantly faster charge times. We anticipate V3 to not only provide a better customer experience for Tesla vehicle owners, but to also significantly lower Tesla's operational and capital expenditures, end quote. Well, my real takeaway from that is the the time frame early this year, which I'm going to go ahead and interpret that as Q1. I think that's fair to do, which hopefully means in the next two months, because it's already February. So, you know, this month, next month. And I, I still want to know, though, what rollout means. What does rollout mean? Because I would presume it's going to require hardware upgrades at the superchargers themselves, but I don't know for sure since Tesla's never specifically said. I mean, I think it would, it has to, doesn't it? I mean, if that assumption is correct, I'd also imagine that they will start that rollout at the highest trafficked travel corridors, probably the San Francisco to LA run, as well as the Northeastern seaboard, New, uh, New York to Boston, and probably New York to DC as well. I would, I would think that's probably where we, we might see these first implemented and, and our first crack to, to uh, test them out in the real world. I mean, hey, we, they've got to ease the congestion at the busiest superchargers, so those probably seem like the best places to start. Now, there was one other very significant news item this week that I teased at the super top of the show coming in here, and that is the big news with the Model S and Model X. Well, the S and X uh, got a new base battery pack. You know, the 75D went away, and a new one has taken its place as well as a new naming convention. So huge news buried at the back of the show this week. I hope you stuck around long enough to hear this. News this big could only happen at the back of the show like this on an earnings call week. Anyway, so you've got the standard battery, which is not actually called standard. It's just called Model S or Model X. Then you've got extended range, performance, and performance with ludicrous. So the uh, standard is 310 miles of range on the S or 270 on the X with a zero to 60 time of 4.1 seconds. Extended range is 335 miles. And if that sounds very familiar, that's because that's what the 100D pack gets. So it's almost certainly still the same, the very same, no change there. Just a change in the naming convention, 100 kilowatt hour pack, four the same zero to 60 time, 4.1 seconds. And then the performance 315 miles, so again, that's the same as now. That's got to be the, the same 100-kilowatt-hour battery pack. Ludicrous, 2.4 seconds, 0 to 60. Again, no change there, uh, but the, the, the only difference is that it's now uh, an add-on. It's not just the P100D isn't automatically ludicrous. You've got a effectively a P100D and a P100D with ludicrous. And what's so what's interesting there is that means ludicrous mode comes full circle. It's now, a again, a, it is a separate line item add-on once again as it was when it was offered for the very first time on the P90D. Uh, it's $20,000 to go from performance to ludicrous. 
Now, if you're curious about, okay, well, what about this new base, quote unquote, base performance model? What's that capable of? That's zero to 60 in three seconds flat. And again, your your same 2.4 seconds for P100D, or sorry, <laughs> performance with Ludacris, uh, which I guess would now be the the Pearl. Can we call it the Pearl? P-E-R-L, Performance Extended Range Ludicrous, right? The Pearl? No? Yes? Probably not. <laughs> I don't know, but uh, I'll let you guys decide. On that note, though, just just for fun, again, why not? It's a, it's a it's a weekly Tesla podcast. We have fun. What's the badge gonna look like? Right? We're all. I mean, like I've been obsessed with my badge on the Model Three. Still don't have it. Uh, what's the badge gonna look like on the S's and X's now? You know the the P100D badges with the underline. Those were cool badges, and they're going away. So uh, what, what's it going to be now? I mean, whatever it is, I guess they'll need to be a performance badge that has an underline on it and then one that doesn't since there are, you know, there are now two performance variants on the S and the X. And also, uh, you know, on this note, when I, so I went looking for it, like, okay, well, maybe it's in the design studio somewhere and it shows a render. Like, nope, there, there are no renders of the car in the design studio from the back, you, you can only see it. There's only, you can't sort of click around to different views. It's just the front three-quarter view of the car. So can't see a badge on the design studio. Uh, and then, by the way, th- this is probably nothing, and this, obviously, this only applies to the S, not the X, but because you can't see the back of the car uh, on the design studio, you also can't see if there's still a carbon fiber spoiler for the performance model S for either variant of it. It, I mean, it's possible that they've tossed it since they're streamlining everything. They probably haven't tossed it, uh, because it's, you know, part of the performance package and also the, the P3D has it. So it would seem weird for the, the model three performance to get a carbon fiber spoiler and not the much, much more expensive model S performance model. So I'm probably just barking up a tree for no reason here, but just food for thought. I'm sure we'll get this definitively answered in the not too distant future. Now let's ask, why do this? Why offer uh, a new base battery that's, that's, uh, well, why, why offer a new base battery at all other than the 100D? And, and this comes now from the shareholder letter, Tesla's own words, quote, We recently stopped taking orders for the 75 kilowatt hour versions of the Model S and Model X, and we'll focus on the longer range versions of these flagship products instead with the recent introduction of a 310 mile range base Model S and 270 mile range base Model X. Over the years, we have been gradually simplifying options for Model S and Model X by standardizing options such as the air suspension, all wheel drive, premium package, and glass roof. This is yet another step towards increased standardization, which results in significantly lower manufacturing cost. Additionally, we believe this will provide more differentiation between Model S and Model 3. So there is your answer. It's to separate it from the Model 3. Now, the the 100 kilowatt hour pack, that's got to be a placeholder for now, right? You know, just a temporary situation because... It just doesn't make sense to have a base model 
that's a software locked 100 kilowatt hour pack. Because if you do the math, the 310 mile base Model S or 270 mile base Model X, same thing, it's, it works out to the equivalent of about 92 kilowatt hours. Now, I don't think that they're dropping a 92 kilowatt hour battery pack in there. In fact, we know they're not because you can upgrade to the extended range. Again, only uh, 8% more range uh, for you can upgrade that after the fact. Now, it's and it's also it's very expensive. It's eight thousand dollars to uh, to upgrade from 310 miles to 335 miles. That is quite, I mean, <laughs> that seems like quite a difference for, or I should say, well, quite a difference in your wallet uh, versus what you're actually getting, 25 range miles more. So I, I got to figure not a lot of people are going to pay that extra $8,000 unless they're just going for performance anyway. And therefore, where I'm going with this is it seems like then a longer range battery has got to be coming in the not too, too distant future so that that 310 mile pack would be the standard. And then the extended range, the, whatever the future extended range is, would, would have a, a much wider gap than 25 miles, you know, maybe something like 50 miles or, or more. And, uh, again, as I mentioned, it is a software lock because you, you can upgrade to extended range as an over the air update. So what that means is when these cars get traded in at some point down the road, uh, they, they can get traded in as standard model S's and model X's and Tesla can just unlock them and sell them as extended range CPO cars. That is that is some clever, clever stuff right there. Also, as Tesla Rati duly notes, you know, I love that website. Uh, in disaster situations, as we've seen during hurricane season, uh, the last number of years since Tesla's been uh, been uh, out there and, and selling cars, Tesla can simply take those those standard range uh, Model S's and Model X's and just unlock them temporarily speaking, for free in order to help people, uh, you know, in, in order to assist in their travel as during uh, evacuation periods, which we have seen happen. So that's cool at the very least uh, that, that that will, you know, almost certainly will now be a thing that happens in the event of these unfortunate, you know, natural disaster, you know, big, dangerous, dangerous, uh, natural phenomenon type type situations. But there you go. A new a new floor has been established for the Model S and the Model X, a software locked 100 kilowatt hour battery pack rated in the Model S at the very same 310 mile range that the long range Model 3 has and don't think for a second that that's not very much by design. The the base Model S had to have at least the same amount of range as the top end Model 3. That's just, it's gotta be that way, and, and so that's why Tesla chose that particular EPA range number to software lock the battery pack to. That is it for the news. Busy, busy week, you know, earnings call week, that's how it goes. So uh, as is usually the case with these earnings call shows, it's, very, it's been a very long show thus far. 
I'm gonna skip the Ride the Lightning hotline this week, but please keep your calls coming. I welcome them, I appreciate them, I invite them. So if you wanna react to something from the earnings call, something you heard me talk about, whatever your question, comment, or discussion topic is, you can call into this podcast in one of two pretty easy ways. You can either use your smartphone's built-in voice memo recording software, uh, record me a question on there, please try to keep it to a minute, minute and a half tops, and then email that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com. Alternatively, you can call in and just leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline. Again, minute, minute and a half tops would be super appreciated. It's a toll-free number. You can dial it anytime you want. It's one 888 989-8752. Again, that's 1-888-989-TSLA. And uh, let me take a quick five, and I mean super quick, the usual five-second bumper break here. Come right back, and I want to tell you about what's been going on with my windshield, because that's uh, turning into a little bit of a saga that I'm not super thrilled with. Be right back. So as I mentioned, I've got the uh, the My Tesla Adventure event coming up. I talked about it at the very top of the show. But the, the only other thing that's been going on with the Spirit of Adventure is uh, my windshield. So just bear with me real quick because this, this, is, this is, I hope this doesn't become a nightmare story, but it, I'm getting frustrated. And it's barely, I would say it's it's almost not even Tesla's fault at this point. It's kind of the glass place, and I'm not going to give their name. I don't want to seem like I'm, you know, trying to throw anybody under the bus or anything, but uh, it's, it's, it is it's a, a glass place, a glass installer that, that Tesla sent me to and said, hey, these guys are, we authorized them to do our glass because, as I think I told you, Tesla's not doing glass in-house anymore, at least, at least not here in the Bay Area. So, uh, it, three weeks ago today is when I, you know, called my insurance company to make the claim, and then they put me on a three-way call with the glass place, and was, was all fine. Okay, you know, we need the last six digits of your VIN number so that we can, when we call in and order it from Tesla, they're gonna they they need that information so they know what car it's going on. Okay, no problem. Here you go. Uh, so. And he, he told me at the time, it'll, it might be a couple weeks because the Tesla stuff tends to take longer. Like, you know, I, I get it. It's, uh, it's part of those part supply growing pains that we heard about in the earnings call. So two weeks go by. And so la- a week ago, a week ago, I called them. And they said, uh, the, the glass guy says, yeah, sorry, we don't have any visibility on it whatsoever. We just, we don't even know when it's coming from Tesla. They don't tell us anything. So I said, okay, uh, let me see if I can call them myself as the owner of the car, maybe try and run down some information. So I did that. I uh, The following Monday, uh, was it th- this past Monday, I did that. So I managed to to get, uh, well, I put in, I did a, an executive escalation through through the My Tesla account, and I uh, there was a, an email address. I, I happened to be right by a Tesla store, so I just stopped in to ask, like, hey, you know, can you guys <laughs> help me escalate this, get get this windshield? And there is a there's an email address. It's uh, I believe it's Body Shop Support at Tesla.com, 
And in fact, let me just look, I'll look that up for you on my phone while I'm talking, but, um, yep, that's it. Body shop support at tesla.com that'll go, you know, gets flagged and it gets sent to somebody that, that can help check on that kind of stuff. Anyway, so I, I hear back and they say, well, you know, that order would have just gone to a service center. We don't have any visibility on it. So like, okay, here we go. I got to start uh, here. I was, I was braced for the worst of, of this, just of just getting caught in an endless vortex of nobody having the right information for me. So I, I call the glass place back and say, who'd you order it from? And they said, okay, well, uh, they, he said, I, they thought it was Fremont. So, okay. I call Fremont and I think I ended up back at like the central call center. Anyway, very nice woman helps me out and says, well, okay, we've, we've, uh, it's, it's at the, the San Francisco location. It's, it's, uh, that's, that's where you need to call. Uh, I can't check on it for you now because they're all at lunch. It was, I called at 1230. So like, okay, so I guess, uh, can you give me their number? So, all right, here we go again. So once, once we were past into the afternoon, I call the San Francisco place, managed to get somebody on the phone. Nice guy, actually super nice guy. He says, uh, all right, you know, good news. I have your windshield here. Okay, great. So can I, can, can the glass people come and pick it up anytime? Yes. Anytime, just, they can come get it. So, you know, that took some doing. I mean, this was, this was a number of phone calls. I I don't want to sound too, I don't want to, well, I don't want to sound entitled at all, but it's, you know, hey, I mean, I'm not complaining yet, but I shouldn't even have to jump through this many hoops to start with. This is, you know, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm the kind of person where if I want something or if I have a goal, I am more than happy to put in the work to just, to just take care of it, to just get it done. Uh, it's just, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to just sit there and wait for the glass company to just call me whenever it's ready. Like, no, I've got a, a, big crack in the glass right across my eye line and it's annoying. So I'm happy to take, take the time, take the energy to try and move this thing forward. So, okay, track it down to the San Francisco service center. Great. I, I, uh, call, I, I leave a message with the, uh, with the, uh, the glass guys didn't get them on the phone. Okay. Then they text back. They got the message. They text me and say, oh, you know, I tried, we tried calling San Francisco a bunch of times, couldn't get a hold of anybody, which if you've tried to call Tesla service, you know, that's a thing. It's, it's a really tough to actually try and get a human being on the phone sometimes. So I said, okay, well, I'd love to get this done. I told him, I said, you can just go get it. So can we schedule this? Can you just, you know, cause you got to, just go to San Francisco, get it, and, and I'm in San Francisco. Just bring me the windshield. You know, I didn't say it like that, but um, anyway, so I've just, it, it's been like four days now of me. I, I've been either, I've either left a message, they haven't, I haven't caught them on the phone, and I've sent te- a, a text, only one per day. I'm not harassing them more than once per day, but I'm getting ghosted by these guys right now, and it's starting to really frustrate me. So it's, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's not really Tesla anymore. Now I'm just getting annoyed with the glass guys. And it's like, well, I don't want to get mean about it because they're the, they're the only people that can get the darn windshield for me. 
They're the and, and get it installed. Even if I could go get it myself, which I wouldn't want to do because that's I don't I don't have a way to transport that and I can't, you know, so it's I'm just sort of stuck here. I'm kind of, now I'm at the mercy of these glass guys and I understand they're busy, they're running a business. They've got a million other cars to deal with, but you know, they they know the deal. They're they're like the they're an authorized Tesla glass repair. This isn't like a foreign thing. It's not I'm not making a bizarre request. Just please go get the darn windshield and come put it on my car, please. We can schedule it and get it done. So, we'll see. I'm going to try the guy again. You know, I'm recording on Friday night as I always almost always do. I'm going to try tomorrow morning, hopefully. Uh, and see if I can get a hold of somebody again. And I guess I'm just going to have no choice but to start getting like a little more, I don't want to say meaner, but a little more um, persistent about trying to get my my darn windshield. So I don't know. That's So that's been a little frustrating. But in any case, um, there it is. There's my windshield story that's still not over. Uh, let's go to the pro tip of the week, which this week comes to us from our friend John in New York. Go ahead, John. Hey, Ryan. This is John from New York. Uh, just a quick observation or a quick tip. On the left one-third of the screen where it shows all the uh, driving and traffic information, you'll get notifications that pop up. And a lot of those notifications, you can take your finger and swipe them to the left, You know, presumably because if there's uh, notifications on top of each other, they want you to be able to see what's going on there. That's all I got. I did not know about that one, John. Thank you so much. I'm going to give that a try the next time one pops up, although hopefully it won't be a pop-up like I've seen before, like low tire pressure. Please pull over immediately. I don't ever need to see that again. So uh, still, it's good stuff. Love that. Keep your pro tips coming. Send them in the same way you send in your phone calls. Uh, I've actually got a good number of them queued up, so... Again, there might come a a time here very, very soon where I I do a few of these uh, during one show, just do a little block of them because they're they're starting to pile up, which is, again, which is a great, great problem to have that you guys are are finding these cool little things in the cars and calling in to share them with the audience. But that'll about wrap it up for the show this week. Uh, If you are in the market for some aftermarket Tesla accessories, whether they be lighting kits, uh, lettering kits for the exterior of the car, center console wraps, etc., check out abstractocean.com because they are kindly offering, again, they, as they have for, gosh, it's been a couple years now, that 15% discount off of your very first order. So you go to abstractocean.com, get everything in your cart that you, you want to get, and then use the coupon code RTLPODCAST at checkout for that 15% uh, discount off of your first order. That's RTL Podcast, all one word there. Meanwhile, Immaculate Reflections, uh, I'm, they, he just took, Jeff just took great care of me again by redoing two of my panels. The PPF saved the day, like I told you about last week, so was more than happy to go back and give Jeff some more business. And, uh, you know, my car genuinely looks good as new now no more no more damaged paint protection film just gotta get the windshield which sadly jeff can't help me with but in any case if you are uh in the bay area with your car if you're taking delivery in the bay area uh you can seek out immaculate reflections if you happen to desire paint correction 
and or paint protection film and or ceramic coating uh, or something else and anything in the world of detailing. So you can look up Immaculate Reflections on their website at irdetailing.com. Patreon is the number one way you can support this podcast aside from simply listening to it, which I, of course, always appreciate everybody for for giving me what is now about an hour and a half so far of your week this week, but totally optional. But if you want to support the show, you know, a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of passion and love goes into making this podcast for you guys every week. I do love it. Um, But yeah, it's your support on Patreon is what what is allows me to justify that continued investment. So if you're, if you feel so inclined, it is, again, it's always going to be totally optional, but you can support me on Patreon. Learn more at patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. Meanwhile, I'm on Twitter. If you want to catch me there, I'm at DMC underscore Ryan. Same thing on Instagram which is where I chronicle the adventures of the Spirit of Adventure over there on Instagram. Uh, I mentioned the email address, you know, that one, teslapodcast at gmail.com. Ah, the Jada Wireless Charging Pad. Mentioned this last week. I'm still waiting on my new one. You know, their version 2 that's uh, supposed to be more P3D proof (laughs) under hard acceleration. Keep Keep that phone in place while it's wirelessly charging, but... Uh, obviously, once I get mine, I will give you my honest thoughts about it. If you are interested in purchasing one of those for your Model 3, again, it's a it's a, a Qi compatible, for any Qi compatible wireless phone, uh, wireless phone, uh, mobile phone. Remember when wireless phone was a normal term? That's, that's like archaic. No, it's a mobile phone. I don't know when that switch happened, when we stopped calling them wireless phones and started calling them mobile phones, and I guess smartphones is when the when that happened. But anyway, if you want to grab a wireless charging pad for your Model 3 and you decide to purchase the Jada, the new their new version that they they've got there, it's 100 bucks. I don't have a discount for you, but full transparency, they they got a, a, an affiliate link. So if you you know, you, you hear it on this show, you decide to buy it, they'll throw me a couple bucks if you buy it through this link, which is getjada.com slash ref slash eight and jada is spelled j-e-d-a i think that's everything oh hey subscribe if you don't already again that's totally free that's purely a convenience thing of the show pushing to you each and every week rather than you having to go out and find it on uh, your favorite podcast service you can subscribe on really any of those big podcast services, whether it's iTunes, Google Podcasts, uh, what else? Stitcher, TuneIn, and of course that's that's in the Teslas. TuneIn, Spotify. I'm on YouTube as well. Wherever you want to grab it, or there's always the hosting site. Maybe if you're if you like RSS feeds, you can grab the RSS feed at the hosting site, which is teslapodcast.libsyn, L-I-B-S-Y-N.com believe that wraps it up. Yes. Other than, of course, the shout outs to the Patreon producers, the wonderful folks who support me at the Patreon, uh, the, pardon me, the producer level, which means, among other perks, they get a shout out. Jeremy, Josh, Tyler Van Gorder, Blake Wiley, Daniel Grummer, 
Michael Waddle, Stig Mickey Jensen, Luxendary.com, Dorian Steve Guberman, Joel Sapp, Lyle Austin, Bill Royko, Rick Sinta, Brian Hope, Jerry and Mary Smith, Gabriel Salais, Luke Miles, David Nondahl, Eric Randolph, Luke A., Ulrich Lassa, David Vakil, Rome Strack, Harold Plug, Peter Chalet, Lars Hoffman, Lee Sweet, Marcus Mayenshine, Tim Hyde, Emotion Rentals, Jason Chalukas, Robert Miracle, Michael Lester, Matthew Para, Logan Willis, Alexi Heft, uh, Jonathan Wales, David Brander, George Cassiopo, Wolfgang Obergen, Pete White, DJ Harbaugh, and Paul Hussey. Thanks to all of you for your continued support on Patreon. It really it makes a massive difference in my life. I really, really appreciate that support. That'll wrap it up for, again, the, the, the earnings call shows are always super long, but hopefully I've made good use of that time. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Hope you enjoyed listening to this one as much uh, as I enjoyed making it. I really, really like these episodes. They're just fun. They're, they're the kind of, again, a lot of, a lot of uh, effort, but I always, oh, it's always worth it. I mean, every week's always worth the effort that goes in, but these are fun shows because I feel like nobody else really recaps and digests it this way. Like, I feel like I'm kind of the only one doing it like this and I'm not saying it's the best way, but I like it. Hopefully you like it too. Anyway, so yeah, thanks so much for another, uh, you know, hour and a half plus of your time each and every week and particularly this week here on Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast for a very, very passed out sleeping puppy, Daisy the Boxer Puppy. I'm Ryan McCaffrey. Uh, Happy electric motoring, my friends, and I'll see you next week. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. <laughs> That's what it's meant to be. Well, our goal is to make it's it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. Mm. Make it's maximum fun.